The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. Celebrating the rich history of Long Island. Hi, good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Of course, you're listening to History Island with your host, and that's me, Dale Spencer, your history guy. We're listening on 103.9 FM, LI News Radio. And before I start, I'd like to thank my my producer, John Gifford, my research director, Janet Rishbeter, and of course, as usual in the background, with technical help, my Scoot Arrow. I thank you all so much. So, as you know, we've been spending the last couple of weeks down in the village of Patchog, having a real good time down there. A wonderful, wonderful village. So a few weeks ago, we, of course, had Steve Lucas on, and we brought you the history of Patchog, an amazing village whose history goes really far back to the 1800s. Um, We've talked about all that, though. Last week, we were in the Patchogue Theater, and we spent some time in the Patchogue Theater with Michelle Rizzo-Berg, the executive director, and Jody Giambroni, the associate director, uh, wonderful people, and they gave us a nice view of the theater and what goes on there. So what we decided to do was cover the next event that was going on there, and that was the Harry Chapin 80th birthday celebration with the Harry Chapin family performing there at the theater. Uh, it was a great event. Um, it raises money for Long Island Cares, um, and it, it does good charity work every year. So we went down, and when we walked in, the first thing that we saw was um, Long Island Cares table. So let's hear what that sounded like. Hi, well, here we are at the Patchogue yes, Theater. And I'm at the Long Island Cares table. Everyone who came to the show tonight was, uh, at, hope they hoped they would bring some non-perishable item for Long Island Cares. So I'm talking to Regina, who's at the table here. And how do you think you guys did tonight, Regina? We did amazing tonight, and thank you for asking. We have got so much food, much more than we thought, and we got a lot of cash donations tonight. So it is wonderful. It's great that everybody came out here tonight and remembered us. I think Harry would be more than proud. Yes, I think he would be too. We're big supporters of Harry and all the efforts of Long Island Cares. And we're delighted to walk in and see that this has happened. I'm very glad that you noticed, and I'm very glad you're supporting us, and you give us that little bit of publicity. It's all good. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for all your efforts. We really appreciate it. And I thank you for the kind words. Okay, have a great night. Okay, so she was really enthusiastic, and the this that I talked about when I walked into her is she had food items piled all around her, higher than her head. And it was an amazing turnout, amazing, great thing for Long Island Cares and Long Island Food Charities. Of course, you know, I've covered Harry Chapin on this show before, and World Hunger Year that he started, and Long Island Cares that he eventually created before his untimely death. And um, they really, really do a great job, and they really help feed people on Long Island. It's something a lot of people, like most of us who have enough food, and we don't really think about hunger too much, but there's a lot of hunger out there and people who really, really need help and really, really need food. 
So we went into the theater after talking to her, and we sat and we watched the concert. Now, I had a lot of uh, potential footage I was going to show, but we had a lot of technical problems with our footage. So I'm just going to kind of report on the concert to you today. Um, Tom Chapin and Steve Chapin, the brothers of Harry, who originally started a band with him long ago, and they always played in his band, and Jen Chapin and the Chapin sisters, and, of course, Harry's band, Big John Wallace, the great bass player and Harry's partner in crime, and Howie Fields, and um, the band. They were great. So they did all kinds of different materials, some some of their own material. Tom Chapin did a little, and they did a lot of great Harry Chapin songs. And it was really fun. It was a wonderful audience. They were really, really into it. And, of course, by the end, when they um, summed the concert up at the end with um, none other than All My Life's a Circle, Harry's theme song that he would play every show, um, they had the whole audience singing along on their feet, clapping and singing. It was a wonderful night for them. I got to talk to them after the concert a little bit, and um, they were just thrilled with uh, the whole thing. And they intend, as and like as Tom said, well, we're going to try to do this as long as we still can because they're all getting older now, And um, but they were wonderful. And they just played a great set, and everyone loved it, and it raised good money for charity. And it was one of the really nice events at the Patchogue Theater. So uh, afterwards, we got our we bought our CD of the Chapin family and had it signed. All the band members, everyone involved, stood out there for an hour and a half signing CDs and talking to everyone who wanted to have a conversation with them. It's a wonderful, wonderful event. And of course, we'd like to thank um, Michelle Rizzo Berg again and Jody Giambroni for hosting us over there, and um, they do such a wonderful job. So now, their new season has opened this year. By the way, if you want to get in touch with the Patchogue Theater, you can uh, get in touch with them. They're at 71 East Main Street in Patchogue. Phone number is 631-207-1313. You can, of course, buy tickets that way. You can show up at the box office Wednesday through Sunday from 12 to 6. Or you can simply go online and look up Patchogue Theater. And you can buy tickets right online. So they have a lot of shows coming up this season. Um, the next show is February 4th, and that show is going to be The Soprano Show. Um, unfortunately, if you haven't bought tickets to that show yet, you're out of luck because it's four members of The Sopranos cast, and they're going to talk to the audience all about the show, and there isn't a ticket to be found anywhere for that show anymore because that's a really popular one. Um, after that, um, the next night on February 5th, they're going to have the Atlantic Wind Symphony, a wonderful group. Um, that's a 3 p.m. show in the afternoon. So uh, you could go check that one out. Not long after that, they're going to have Sal the Boys Valinetti, who does a great, great um, old, old-fashioned show. That's on February 10th, and that's an 8 p.m. show. Big Head Todd and the Monsters, the jam band, is going to play Tuesday, February 14th at 8 p.m. Um, Round Midnight is going to play on February 16th. And they're a barbershop quartet, which is really nice, and it kind of harkens back to the old days of the theater, which, of course, opened in 1923. And among other people who played there, the Marx Brothers did comedy on the stage there. And um, a great, great uh, throwback to the barbershop quartet days. Um, After that, they're going to have the Winery Dogs. Um, That's going to be February 18th at 8 p.m. 
Um, Los Lobos, the great uh, band Los Lobos, is coming in on February 23rd. That's also an 8 p.m. show. Uh, the Robert Cray Band. Robert Cray, one of the great blues guitar players, has had a great long career. That's February 24th at 8 p.m. Uh, next up will be the Moody Blues John Lodge, the bass player for the Moody Blues. And that's going to be February 28th. And that, again, is an 8 p.m. show. Now, after that, um, pretty amazing band, the um, Red Hot Chili Pipers. It's obvious whose music they do. And they're going to be in on March 3rd. And real, that should be a really good show. Followed up not long after by the Marshall Tucker Band. Um, that's going to be March 9th at 8 p.m. Great country rock band. Now, after that, on March 10th, the next night, woo, hold on to your seats. Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes, the great party band from the 70s. They're going to have a party at the theater, and that's also an 8 p.m. show. Now, all these other shows I'm mentioning still have some tickets available, so you can um, go buy tickets at the box office. Um, Broadway's Rock of Ages band is going to play March 11th at 8 p.m. And that, that's a great band, too, from the Broadway show. So now what we're going to do now is we're going to um, go over to a break, and um, I'll give you a couple more of these after I come back. Um, call up the Patchogue Theater. You're going to have a wonderful time. 1,000-seat theater, 1,100 seats, an amazing place to go. Okay, off to the break. My name is Mike Cueva. And I'm Lisa Steffens, and we work at BLD's Restaurant on Hawkins Avenue in Ronkonkoma. And we would love for everybody to come on down and visit us and check out our food items and our friendly atmosphere. We decorate all the time year-round. And like I said, we are family-owned. I'm there 20 years. Mike next to me is there about 15. And we would love everybody to come in and join us. Yeah, you have to try our pancakes, our waffles, our French toast, even our ribs are good. Burgers are great as well. And don't forget, our police officers, our veterans, our fire department, we give discounts for veterans, police officers, seven days a week. So come on down and visit us. Our business hours are 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. And we're known for your home away from home. back everybody so you're on history island on 103.9 li news radio i'm your host dale spencer your long island history guy and let's get back to what we were talking about a little the patchogue theater um also um i didn't mention before though we talked about it quite a bit last week remember it is the hundredth year anniversary of the theater which has been brought back to its former glory with the gold leaf and all the amazing things and the chandelier in the middle, a wonderful sound system. And like I said, 1,100 seats, intimate, but really, really a wonderful place to go. So if you see a show you like, 
get tickets quick because something like The Sopranos sells out in almost no time. So after the Broadway Rock of Ages band, we, of course, have Railroad Earth coming in on March 22nd at 8 p.m. Um, after that, the Femmes of Rock. That's a great show, too. Friday, March 24th at 8 p.m. Then we have uh, a nice show, Sex in the City, on uh, March 25th, uh, 8 p.m. That should be a real fun show. Everyone knows the Sex in the City show. Then we have a great 80s band, the English Beat, coming in on March 28th. And they're going to be playing at 8 p.m. Then we have the Animaniacs coming um, in concert. That's going to be March 31st, 8 p.m. And then after that, Barney, Boney James Detour, Saturday, April 1st, 8 p.m. After that, the, um, the great young musician Ryan Adams, not to be mistaken with Brian Adams, is coming in on April 2nd at 7 p.m. Then we have an evening with David Sedaris, um, a great artist too. Um, that's April 3rd, 8 p.m. After that, we have Brian Collison. The Trilogy Tour is coming in, and that's going to be on April 7th at 8 p.m. After that, another one of these really fun shows with the film screening of Napoleon Dynamite. A lot of people might remember that movie. It was really fun. And that's going to be cast members live. That's April 14th at 8 p.m. That one, by the way, is selling out pretty quickly. So if you're interested in that, get your tickets soon. Uh, next, Bruce Campbell presents the Bruce-a-rama, and that's going to be on April 15th at 8 p.m. That should be really fun, too. Um, Reuben and Clay, the, 20, the tour is going to be Thursday, April 20th at 8 p.m. After that, the Do-Up Project, Friday, April 21st, and that'll be also an 8 p.m. show. After that, we have Journeyman. April 28th, that's a Friday, 8 p.m. And the next show is a pretty special one. Judy Collins, the great Judy Collins. And she's going to be doing a special show, do, performing the Wildflowers album, one of her real classics, with a string section. And if you've ever heard Judy sing, she's amazing. Um, she's ageless. Um, and yeah, don't miss that show. That's going to sell out pretty quick, too. Colin Mochi and band. Oh, I'm sorry. My mistake. Colin Mochi and Brad Sherwood. That's going to be April 30th at 7 p.m. And then the Funny How Tour is coming in. And that's comedy. And that's going to be on Saturday, May 13th. And, of course, the 100th anniversary celebration, May 20th, is the actual celebration of the anniversary. 100 years of this great theater. And that's um, going to have Louis Prima Jr. and the Witnesses. And probably a couple of surprises, too. Um, that's going to be an amazing night. The big celebration. You only get to 100 years once. <laughs> um, next, we have the great guitar player, Jimmy Vaughn and the Tilt the World Band. Of course, if that, those of you who don't know, Jimmy Vaughn is the guitar player brother of the great late Stevie Vaughan and a great guitar player in his own right one of the great blues guitarists so that one is on June 25th at 7pm it keeps going on there's quite a season planned 
um, Clannad in a Lifetime, the Farewell Tour. That's September 10th, 7 p.m. After that, we have the great artist, Eric Johnson. He's going to be on September 20th, and that's going to be at 8 p.m. So as you see, there is quite a season lined up at the Patchogue Theater. I can't urge you enough to go there. There's a wonderful snacks, a wonderful ball with some really great um, drink specials and different things. There's always an intermission in the middle of the show, and it's a wonderful place. Very easy to negotiate. The staff, I can't say enough about the staff. They made us feel like we were friends from years back. But you know what? That's very typical of Patchogue Village. And um, it's a family-like place. And um, it's just one of those amazing towns. And um, so now we're going to talk a little about the future of Patchogue, or rather the present, and bring us up to the present and how things have gotten there. And to do that, I want to bring on one of the great, great people of Patchogue who has done a lot to really help the town, and that's the mayor, Paul Pontieri. Thank you. appreciate being here. Hi. Welcome on. Yeah. Yeah, so um, why don't you talk a little bit about um, your involvement with the town and how um, you've gotten it up to this point where this amazing place where it is. Well, I said earlier to you when we were talking earlier, you know, um, just how I became a trustee is a story by itself. Uh, yeah. Norman Lechtrecker was the mayor at the time, and he drove by the house. He was down a block from me and said to me, Paul, what do you think about becoming involved with the village? I said, sure. I was in the Patrick Lions Club, and I still am. And I went to a meeting at Reese's upstairs. Met the trustees, talked about who I was and what my thoughts were about the community. And next thing I knew, no, three days later, four days later, I get a phone call. They ask him whether I would like to come to a meeting, get sworn in, and appointed as a village trustee. The interesting part about that, that appointment and it really takes itself up as part of the history of the village, is the first vote I took was for the expansion of the sewer plant to, from 250,000 gallons a day to 500,000 gallons a day. Headlines in the Long Island Advance, at the time, the Patrick Advance, and the Main Street Press, $1.1 million for upgrading of sewer plant. In large print headlines, I think in the last paragraph, in about as small a print as they make, it says, Paul Pontieri, appointed trustee. I've taken second fiddle to the sewer plant since I became a trustee. But how that ties back to Patchogue and its history is in 1907 is when they put the, the sewer lines first into the village of Patchogue. And probably at that time, it was, you flushed it and it ran gravity feet out to the bay. In 1925, they took and actually built a, a sewer plant at that point. So we started, and when I always talk about the growth of the village, it really it was, there were benchmarks. And that was a primary one. And just another piece that I hadn't even mentioned earlier when I spoke before the program is I have a picture in my office of Route 112, Medford Avenue, in probably about 1917 or 1918. And at that point, they were pouring cement. And 
there's a little man standing on his side. He's got a fedora on, a tie, and a white shirt. And it was Frank Romeo. And it was Frank Romeo, fine concrete, and Latito and Romeo. My grandfather, my mother's father, was Frank Romeo. So when I walk around the village, I can find these little plaques in the sidewalk every once in a while that say, Romeo and Sons, concrete, Romeo and Latito. So there's a lot of history to the whole thing. And then in 1925, like I said, they, they actually built a plan to start to clean up the water a little bit. And so you go from 1925, then you go to 1950. So the sewer plan allows us to do things today that most other communities can't do, especially in Suffolk County. Then in 1950, George Lectrecker, in the 50s, George Lectrecker was the mayor, and he understood that you needed to give back to the community, the families. And what does he do? He takes and preserves 30 acres of parkland, which is now Shorefront Park, in which we're doing, we have a grant to, to redo at this point in time, a grant and but that 30 acres of parkland and creating across from that the Patchogue Municipal Pool. So, hey, hey so, Paul, we're, we're going to go to a break here. Sure. Um, and we'll come back and we'll talk more about that after the break. That's amazing. Yep. Okay, so you're listening to History Island on 103.9 FM, Elira News Radio. History Guy, Dale Spencer. You're listening to our show on 103.9 FM, LI News Radio. So now let me ask everybody, are you maybe hungry? Well, uh, the place I would suggest going to is my favorite pizza place in the world, and that's Gino's Pizza on Portion Road in Lake Ronkonkoma. Gino's is an amazing family-type place. they got a great staff of people. In my estimation, the best slice of pizza you're going to get anywhere around this area. They have some great specials. Um, they've also all geared up now, and they're, they're busy, but they still have spaces to do catering for the Super Bowl. So you can get some great food from them, not have to worry about cooking that day. It, they do a really great business with that every year. So, you know, come down. See Austin. You know, Austin will take care of you. He's a great guy. He does a lot of promotion for the place. Not to mention Marco and Dom and all the others. Um, it's a wonderful staff. It's a wonderful place. We highly recommend it. And we don't necessarily have to because everybody goes there anyway. But it's a good place to go to. So Gino's, Portion Road, Lake Ronkonkoma. Okay, so anyway, tonight we are talking to Mayor Paul Pontieri. And we're talking about Patchogue and how it's led up to what Patchogue is today. And I know you were talking about some of the early things like the sewage, um, the first sewers that were put in and, and 
how did someone have the vision to do that so early in history? What, what spurred them on to, in 1907, the sewer plants, the sewer plant was built, in 1925 to upgrade it, to do those things. You know, the, the mayors at the time looked, looked into the future to create the sewer district. And now we hit the 1950s with George Electrecker makes a decision to take prime property on the bay, which today you could get millions and millions of dollars for, and, and create a park for the, for the residents of the village of Patchogue, a place for the kids to play ball, a place for a guy like myself down on a mascot dock to go fishing, where I learned how to become a lifeguard at the Patchogue pool. They created these things for the community. Things that don't make you money, the things that the park, parks cost you money. Oh, sure. Yeah. They're, they're taxpayer-driven. You don't get a lot of grants for parks. And, and then you, you kind of keep going. Even the, the thing in the middle of all of that, 1960, when the Suffolk County PD came into place, the village had its own police department. And you were moving now from George Lechtrecker to Bob Walbauer. And the 5th Precinct is located in the village of Patchogue, and it's there by charter. Can never oh will always be in the village of Patchogue, you know. So we almost have our own little police department. We have public safety, but it's not you know. Sometimes communities like Port Jefferson have, have issues. They, I think they're in the fourth because of the distance between where the precinct is and if there are issues. So we're very fortunate that way. But the big thing in the '60s was Bob Walbauer became the mayor. Robert Walbauer. And he was there for 16 years. He put together a program to build additional municipal parking. Uh-huh. That municipal parking is 2,200 spaces. We don't do what we do today without that kind of municipal parking that the village controls. And it's, it was getting all of the businesses together to get them to agree that they needed to sell the properties that were adjacent to their their businesses to the village. They worked out an agreement with George Furman, who was the largest property owner within the village at the time, on a square a price per square foot for each one. Of, so they did it by square footage, not by acre, mm-hmm. but by square footage, and. The village purchased that that property, and, and there's a a story that goes to it. Then they talk about, and for those with some history in Patrick, Jack Lusinger, who ran the Sweezy's department store at that time, and very involved in the Chamber of Commerce, and very involved and understood what parking meant to the village's survival. He held a meeting, and he had the property owners in a room, and he turned off the light, and it was dark. No lights on, but he had candles. And what he did is during his his talk about why it was important, he lit one candle and he had a little bit of light. And he kept lighting a candle until the room was fully lit. And he said, see, it's like light in a room. We lit the candles and if we work together, we will survive. And, and he just got into that whole thing about how important it, it was to work as a community. 
and I think the strength of Patrick always has been, for the good and the bad in the times that has happened, is that, that working together at that time. And they built these 2,200 parking spaces. And because of that, we're able to do what we do today. But then you keep kind of moving along. And the mayors, and every mayor had something that he had done. The mayors, and now we get to, to um, Norman Lettrecker, who was the mayor in the 80s and the one that appointed me. And, you know, as I said, my, my first vote was for the expansion of the sewer plant to 500,000 gallons. They were only using at that time 150,000, maybe 200,000. They didn't need 500,000. In fact, they didn't need 500,000 until I became mayor and started using it all. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> and that was a critical, critical decision that was made. Is It was as critical at that point in time as it was in 1907 when they first built it that you had to keep maintaining it, you had to manage it, and you had to understand what the future may be. And for whatever the reason, Norman understood the future. You know, Also, the parking situations, that too, because in the 1960s, people weren't making these giant municipal lots yet, and who knew the future was gonna be a, a hold. Patchogue was really gonna need the parking to flourish. Exactly. And and it's always forward vision, it seems, over the history of Patchogue. And, and that's what I learned from them is that it's, it isn't about today. It's about what happens tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, and how are you going to change that direction in the this, this seat that I sit? And as Bob Walbauer did it for the 16 years he was there, moved the village into another direction. And the, the parking, that parking solidified us as an active and vibrant downtown, the mall of its time. Yeah, right. But what the malls did over time is, did what did Tepacho during the late 80s into the 90s, it sucked out all of that, that yeah. and, and there needed to be changes. In 1996, Steve Keegan became mayor. And we've talked tonight about Tepacho Theater and if those that listened last, last week, understood about the Patrick Theater and the history of it. But the, the history really started, the new history started with, with Steve Keegan, and that was really the beginning of the change in the downtown. The theater has, has been set as, as 1,100 seats. You put 1,100 seats in the theater, 20% of them are eating in the restaurants, 25%, 200, 300 of them are, are eating in the restaurants in town. That's right. And probably 10 or 15% afterwards are going around and having a cocktail or, <clears throat> excuse me, ice cream across the street at Kilwins or someplace in town. So Ke- Steve Keegan was able to get the Artie Fusillos, um, Bill Knapp, Rick Rose, and a number of others to get and put funding together to purchase the theater. And if you've been in the theater and you see the beautiful, you know, the chandeliers and, and all of the, the, the gold leaf and everything, all of that was hidden behind paneling. And once they pulled that down and they realized what it was, Mayor Keegan focused on that. He focused on making that happen. And he, he brought in the DPW, or Department of Public Works, and had them turn 
tear it down and, and begin it. And I think that they got about $7 million worth of grants at that time, which was a tremendous amount of money to make that happen. And so that was in 96. And then you, as those shows started, then you got one or two more restaurants on Main Street. Then I came in as mayor in 2004. And the thing that I knew is that the theater can just take you so far. But we needed more investment in downtown. And we also needed what I always call feet on the street. I grew up taking my bicycle or walking uptown to the movies. There was a Rialto, there was a Patchogue, and you went to these things, you saw Davy Crockett, you saw all of these these things that that made it such a wonderful place. But we now didn't have people close to the village. We needed people in the village. So that there we started in 2006. Took five acres of property that was in the downtown, that was blighted, had um, old homes that were decrepit, had buildings that needed to come down. One of those buildings happened to be the luncheonette my father had when I was a kid, Johnny's Luncheonette. Johnny's Luncheonette? Johnny's Luncheonette was next to the store of the, the Rialto Theater. And if the truth be told, a friend of mine and I and I'll even mention his name, Doug Brody, for those that don't. We used to go to the theater on Saturdays, and one of the things we did is we would take the little preview posters and we'd steal the preview posters, take them back to his house. <laughs> but we, the, the, the manager of the theater would, would chase us into my father. My father would give him a hamburger and a cup of coffee, and he, he'd be happy. So, And I now have those, those posters. Oh, that's great. Forty years later, his mother passed and went to the house, and under the floor where we hit them there, they were still there. So just that, those pieces of history that, that just kind of make you who you are. And But the theater was a big piece of it. But then it became, as we get into more current time, what are those things that are going to change who we are as, as a community? Copper Beach, and there's a thing called Art Space, which is 100% affordable housing for artists. You, we never knew how many artists we have in, had in the community until we held the first couple of meetings with the art space people trying to convince them to come to Patchogue. And all of a sudden, these artists came out of their basement with all of this work and all of this talent and all of this energy. Wow. And they, they created the Patchogue Arts Council. That Patchogue Arts Council then now has its own gallery. We have the, the Plaza Mac Theater. We have a lot of little things going on with it. But that that... Began, those two things then began to change. I'm walking down the steps of Village Hall one day in the middle of the construction of, um, actually right after the construction of the Copper Beach and car stops, and it was Eric Rifkin from Barbecues. He was looking for a place. He said, he said I understand this place is Patrick's going to grow. I said, well, what did I know? I didn't even know what tomorrow was going to bring. But of course, I told him tomorrow was wonderful. And he ends up, and it, it began to create some energy. And that energy is what moved everything else forward. And then Tritech shows up at the front door looking at the, some property down um, River Avenue where, the, where there was an old oil terminal. And it didn't work on that piece of property, but there was also a gentleman with him that I have known since I was 10 years old. In that luncheonette where we put Copper Beach, my dad's luncheonette was 
David Sloan, an attorney, was with him. And we sat and talked about it, and they were getting ready to leave. And uh, they said, no, nah, that's not going to work. So they're walking out the door, and David Sloan grabs me by the arm and says, Paulie, Paulie, they, what are you doing? They got $30 million in their pocket, and you're going to let them go? <laughs> and I said, well, what am I going to do, David? He says, let's take him for a ride. So we took him for a ride, and $110 million later, you see what you see on the four corners. New village. New village. It's um, 291 apartments, uh, 40,000 square feet of restaurant space, 10,000, 12,000 square feet of offices. Um, it, it dynamically changed the community itself. You know, and, and in that note, it, back in 2012, there was a, an, an election and that was that was really a big piece of that election. And in October, when it was all, the election was going, it was coming up, and or probably maybe October, November, January, whatever it was, I went to a fundraiser at um, Lombardi's, and County Executive Ballone was there, and he asked me about the election. He says, "How's it going?" I said, "You know, Steve, what's the worst that could happen? I got Monday nights off." If I lose the election, I got Monday nights off. He looked at me and says, Paul, you don't get it. And I said, I don't get what? He goes, everybody's looking at this election. If you lose, he said, believe it or not, the island loses. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, no. He said, realize, Patrick is being looked at. And that if you can't get this project through... There are projects that are on the boards that will be taken off the boards. And it just struck me. And I, because, like I said, I, I just go about my business and do what I do. Right. And I look for ways to solve problems, ways to create energy. But I don't do it for anything else except the community that, that I'm in. Not realizing the effect that what we do was having on how other people are looking at things. Oh, it sure did, yeah. So it, it so so that was really the, the, the kick that, that said, okay, we got to make it work, and put me back in the fight for the fight that I had to be in. I, uh, I, I walk around that project and I look at it, and if people really want to see it for what it is besides how beautiful the corner is, you have to go inside the parking lot and take a look at all the elements and the texture. I've always believed, that, and there's 291 units there, the density, and that's dense. It's on six acres, 291 units. Density is the product of design. If you design it right, and you can park the cars, and you can make it, make it beautiful for the community, and the community appreciates it, then you've done what you're supposed to do. In my office, I have a rendering of the last rendering that they did of the project on the four corners exactly as it is and it's in a piece probably three by three it's a fairly large but I have another one and that's in my conference room in my office itself I have one that's probably four four or five by four or five of the Sweezy's department store in 1907 oh wow looking from the same point that this is and when you look at the two of them, one's brick, the other's wood, but they're both five stories high. The window shapes are the same. 
there are elements that TriTech did, took and did. They looked at the history of the village, and I gave them, before they even decided what they were going to build, I gave them, Hans Hanke is the village historian, and Hans has a number of books that he put out about the village that have photos and stories in it. I gave them one that talked about the village from the 1900s forward, and I said to them, before you think you know who we are, I'm giving this to you so you understand who we are. And that's what Tritech does. And I know, Dale, they came and saw you when they, they talked about Ronkonkoma. Well, they're Long Islanders, and they love the history, and they understand that. They're, you know, they're not a foreign firm coming in doing this. They're Long Islanders. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they, they look at who you are, what you are, and what do you want? What do you think is right for your community? And what I, I kept saying to them is I, I look at Patchogue, you know, why villages? What, what, what makes villages different than others? I think like the village of Patchogue is, is a community of families, families that move in, families that stay, families that who kids stay and stay in the homes that they're in. I never left the village. I left for a very short period of time and realized that's not where I wanted to be, right. that I needed yeah. to be back. Yeah, it's kind of like the history, um, uh, Little Village History of America, which was the great period of American history. Patchogue is, in a way, as big as it is now, has never really lost that. Um, you go down there and you feel like you're in a little village, as busy as it is. People are friendly. The storekeepers welcome you in when you go there. It's, a, it's an amazing uh, transformation that way. And it's always really remained the same as it is, yet it's grown. And thanks to a whole bunch of people, which you have yeah. illustrated to us, yeah. including yourself, um, it's really um, moved into the future and serving a younger dynamic of people than the villages were serving for a long time. Exactly. Mm. And, and I have such a tremendous board. You know, Jack Krieger, Deputy Mayor, Sue, Sue Brinkman, Sue Hanky Brinkman, who's, who's that, um, but we also have a younger part of the board. We got um, Patrick McAfee and Liz Carrillo. So it really has been a, a real adventure for me and, a, and a, great, a great journey that I've gone on. Well, listen, really, unfortunately, we're out of time for the program. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more we could talk about. Um, we thank you so much for coming. We're going to have you on in the future again and talk a little more about this. And mm -hmm. we all applaud you, Mayor Paul Ponteri, for what you've done with Patchel. Well, you know how to find me and find me again and we can sit and continue the conversation. We will do that. Thank you so much. You got it. Hey, this has been History Island on 103.9 FM, and I'm Dale Spencer, your host. Good night. and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.